So let's start with Habib. Yeah. If we're going to talk about Habib Nurmagomedov, which is what I want to focus on, because I've noticed you tweet about him in ways that you don't really talk about other guys. It seems to me like you've got an admiration for his game. Is that a fair characterization? Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's very fair. He's obviously really good at what he does. No one's ever been able to beat him or, um, from what I remember, come very close to beating him. So, yeah, his style is uh, incredibly effective and dominant. You and I talked earlier this week about the area he's from, Dagestan. Um, I know you obviously yeah. someone like you who's an Olympic team has probably been around the block a little bit. How many Have you been to Dagestan before? I have not. I do. The one World Cup I wrestled in, which is in Russia, was in a place called Vladikavkaz, which is, uh, I believe, it's, it might actually be Dagestan, but it's really, really close, very, very close to there. Um, and really there's two... Um, there's really two places, Dagestan and Ossetia. It's like, I guess the provinces or whatever you want to call them. And they're right next to each other. And that's where, I mean, so many of the high level wrestlers in, uh, in the world come from. And because like I told you the other day, when we were talking, uh, there's unfortunately not very many restrictions on, uh, I guess you'd call it free agents. I don't know. Is that what you call it? Uh, you mean for MMA or wrestling or? No, for wrestling, these countries, you know, France will buy a, Dagestani, and then Azerbaijan will get one, and Ukraine will get one, and, right? So, like I said, I think in the last Olympics, I want to say they wrestled, they they represented like fourteen different countries or something obnoxious. It's insane. So, like, t- for folks who may not understand this, this geographically fairly small region of the world has this outrageous yeah. number of people who are good at, let's say, wrestling slash grappling. But let's talk about wrestling for just a second. From your yeah. experience. What is going on there that makes them so good? Well, obviously, they, they do have a substance abuse issue, which we just, uh, <laughs> that, that kind of came out. So that that, that does definitely assist them. Um, but, you know, when when you take it on face value, I think if you, you know, I read a book called The Talent Code. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. I have not. Oh, that's like, I don't I want to know if it's my favorite book, but it's really close to my favorite book. Um and essentially what this guy does is he goes around and he studies these so-called talent hotspots where there is a, a gigantic amount of really successful people in a certain topic. Um, an uh, example would be the island of Curacao in baseball or South Korea in um, women's golf. So there's a whole bunch of these places he goes and studies. And the, the study is, why are they so good at what they do? Um, and, you know, so that, the whole book is really about that, that, you know, Dagestan, obviously he wasn't a wrestling fan, but Dagestan would be, uh, Dagestan study would be another place where he could study. And, you know, basically I think it comes down to, uh, the fact that, you know, once it's established that people can do it there, it's always easier for the next person to do it. And they have those people to look up to, and then it just be, it essentially becomes the standard. Um, that's what you do. If you're from Dagestan City, you go win world titles. That's what you do. Is there anything you can speak about in terms of their process? Like, they must have some kind of uh, system in place to help yeah. regularly both recruit and uh, produce these kinds of world class talents. Man, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I've actually I've been I've been thinking more and more about it, and I, I want to say I've been thinking more and more that the process, the the exact process, 
but the nature of the process is fairly irrelevant, um, which is kind of a weird statement. But so from the recruiting standpoint, it, it's tradition, right? It, like in the United, just take the United States, Pennsylvania, the Lehigh Valley, the Pittsburgh area, those, those two areas, and then maybe you go Cleveland area and Ohio, um, those areas produce such a large amount of the good wrestlers in the United States, whether you want to say national qualifiers, uh, scholarship guys, All-Americans, national champions, those areas produce such a high amount of those guys, and, and it becomes it becomes tradition, right? Because the, the families, uh, you know, their dad wrestled, their uncle wrestled, and that's just, that's kind of how it works almost no matter what sport you're in. So I would say it's probably one of those things is there's just, it's just such a traditional thing over there um, that everyone starts wrestling at a young age, and obviously a lot of them get weeded out, and then the, the best make it. So let's talk about Habib's style. When you watch him compete, in terms of takedowns and control, what stands out to you? Well, I, th- I guess I think the one thing that uh, is, everyone said he's got the Sambo background. He's a Sambo guy. Listen, I ain't never seen a Sambo guy do takedowns like that ever, ever. I mean, you know, and if you think about the amount of Sambo guys that have actually had success in mixed martial arts, it's not very many. It's it's, it's very limited. Um, so. You know, I don't know that he's expressed fun says this, but I believe his dad was a very successful wrestler. So I would guess somewhere that he had a huge amount of wrestling training um, as a kid. And, and maybe he wasn't the guy, you know, maybe he realized that whatever age that he wasn't going to be the guy because there's a few guys in front of him that were better than him. And so he kind of turned his focus. Well, hey, I can't be the best here. Maybe I'll be the best at Sambo. And then it turned into MMA. Um, I don't know that this is exactly what happened, but... Um, I, I have to guess by how good, how damn good he is at wrestling that he grew up uh, doing some form of wrestling. Sure, but I mean, like, uh, if we had to imagine someone had never seen him, how would you describe? Yeah. How would you describe what he does in terms of his style preferences to somebody else? Sure. Uh, um, well, I think you know, I think the one thing uh, I, I do this that's uh, that's undervalued in fighting is the ability to be hit at and stay calm and make contact with your opponent, right? Because when you go from wrestling to MMA, that, that is the difference. In wrestling, you have to make contact or you're stalling. In fighting, if you're a wrestler and they're not, the whole point is for them not to make contact with you, right? Because once you make contact, they're going to get taken down and they're going to get beat up. And so um, some guys, like Khabib, obviously, have figured out how to um, make contact without with taking very little damage. And then I guess the second part of that would be, um, and, and this is funny because a lot of foreign wrestlers don't do this because it's not a freestyle thing, but it's a folk style thing, is that he is able to control so well, which, uh, you know, like I said, that's a folk style thing. In folk style, you have to escape or keep them down in a one position. You're in freestyle, that, that you know, all you have to do is turn them. You don't actually have to control them. So the, I guess the second part of that is once he gets them down, he, he controls the shit out of them, which, like I said, you don't usually see out of international wrestlers. Where do you think that comes from? Because I think you have talked about this in the past. Like, if you're talking about the best, like, who are the best wrestlers in the world? They're the ones you, that make... I mean, and a great example is Yoel Romero. He's a freestyle wrestler, and you know, he gets takedowns when he wants to, but his control isn't amazing um, because, obviously, he, he never did that. He never did that part of it. Um, so where his control came from, I guess I don't know the exact rules of Sambo, but I don't believe holding someone down is part of Sambo. So maybe uh, at some point when he crossed over to MMA, he realized, well, hey, I could take everyone down. How about I just hold them down and beat their ass? 
And then, uh, you know, he just started working through the techniques on his own because really, I always say this at some point, I think a few more people are figuring it out, but at some point people are going to spend in MMA are going to spend a lot of time studying folk style wrestling because the ability to get out or reverse and then the ability on top to ride and keep someone broken down is a very important thing that a lot of people are neglecting. I mean, when I go to a jiu-jitsu gym and I throw some folk style wrestling holds in there, people, they, they're like, they have no idea what I'm doing. It's so foreign to them. So, so give me an example, like, even if not from Habib, for folks who don't quite understand, I mean, we've all seen collegiate wrestling, at least in passing, some more than others. But what are some of the principles of control that you're talking about that you... Sure. Like, um, one, of, one of the things that, that people are, they're figuring this one out a little bit, and I, and I teach, if I teach, I teach this, this is like the first thing I teach is getting risk control on top, right? So if the bottom guy is actually going to get up, he's going to have to turn over at some point to his knees. Um you know, the whole kick them off thing like that's not, that doesn't really work anymore. It's, it's very rare. Um, so you're going to have to turn over, right? If you're going to get up. So when they do turn over, if you can get wrist control and so if it's if their left hand and your right, that's, that's cross wrist. Um, and if it's your left on their left or right on right, then it, then it's uh inside wrist. So understanding how to control their wrist, because once you control their wrist, you took one of their blocks away. In addition, it's very, you know, if you, if you put, apply pressure correctly, it's very hard for them to stand up, too, when they don't have that hand. Um, and so if you watch a lot of my fights, I get a lot of wrist control. Khabib does that. Um, who else? Phil Davis does it really, really well. Um, so there are people figuring out this, this wrist control stuff. Okay. In terms of his, um, his rides on top, though, it seems to me like, he uses other forms. Again, I don't know if he got them from watching folk style. I don't know where he got them, but he uses leg rides too, doesn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, I I was just using a cross wrist as a one example. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely ankle rides and leg rides that are, that are part of folk style wrestling, and um, but he he's pretty diverse on top. I mean, he was doing a huge amount of wrist control against um, who's his left side? Michael, uh, Michael Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, who was actually a wrestler. Um, and so the fact that Khabib was schooling him was even more impressive. Um, but he was doing a huge amount of wrist control. He does the one where, uh, the one that I really love was, uh, where it's, it's inside wrist, but you're on the opposite side of the body. So he would have Michael Johnson's right wrist with his right hand, but he would be applying pressure on the opposite side of the body and then, and then striking with his free hand. And for, and then forcing, um, forcing Michael Johnson's face into the mat. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so the and the one thing that if you watch that fight that he did really well that most people neglect is most people think they have this thought in their head that they can hold and hit the guy like 30 times, right? Well, that doesn't happen unless the guy's a total fish. Really, when you get a control position, you you know, I'm thinking I'm probably going to get two or three punches, right? And then I got to re cinch the situation, re-control the situation. And that's what he would do. You would see he, he would get the situation, get a couple punches, Michael Johnson would build up. He would take the time to re-break him down, re-control the hold, hit him a couple more times, and then repeat the same repeat that over and over and over again. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Am I talking crazy? No, no, no. That makes complete sense. One of the things that I've noticed about him that really catches my attention is, I mean, he's like a it's like a, a masterclass in like the value of an underhook. Once he gets one of those, man, the show is. I mean, you know, exceptions here or there, of course, but the show is basically over. 
And what I mean by that is if he can get that, then he can, you know, establish close contact. He can change levels for yeah. a double. Or if the guy stuff doubles, he'll even throw like a lazy double attempt. Guys stuff it, and then he'll quickly transition into like a trip throw. I don't know. If, I don't know hardly anybody who can do things like that. At least currently fighting in MMA, does that? What is that? Where you can just switch between two completely different kinds of takedowns? Well, that's what you're supposed to do. But uh, like you said, there's not a lot of people who have figured out how to do it that well in mixed martial arts. But, I mean, that, that's what you're supposed to do against high level competition, right? If you watch a high level wrestling match. It's not like I try one thing and then it works. It's like I try one thing, he defends, so I go to my next, so I go to my next, so I go to my next, and then eventually you get a takedown, right? Um, and so you know, we, the, the, I guess the generic term for that in wrestling, we call it chain wrestling. You're chaining things together. Um, so that's, I mean, if, out of my, if I'm coaching an athlete, that's exactly what I want to do. I want, I want him to chain wrestle because he, he knows if he's facing someone good, the first attempt usually isn't going to work. Sure, but here's my point. I've seen St. Pierre go for like a double. The guy. Well, St. Pierre's not a wrestler. Okay, but just hear me out on this. I've seen St. Pierre sure. go for a double. The guy rips him off of his hips, and then he'll switch to a knee tap. That's still more a congruent family of takedowns. What I'm talking about is sure. going for a double okay. and then switching completely to like, let's say, an uh, or Uchimata, or you know, or uh, um, even if not one of those, uh, you know, a major outside reap. That's what I, that seems to me yeah. very unique. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I would have to think more about it as I was watching fights. But um, I mean, I still think it's chain wrestling, and if uh, you know, really the the singles and high crotches, which are really prevalent in wrestling, they don't really work in mixed martial arts for for a variety of reasons. So, re- really, to me, you really have upper body takedowns and double legs. And those are, you know, if you're going to get takedowns in mixed martial arts, those are your choices. To what and ex- so I guess he, go ahead. So I was going to say, well, to what extent are upper body takedowns a part of elite wrestling? I well, mean, I-, I mean, I, I don't know. Remember, I don't know how he grew up, but if he was doing some Greco-Roman wrestling, then it was, uh, you know, it was probably a, a, a good part of it. Now, and I, and I don't know for sure, but from the few times that I've heard that a lot of those guys, um, a lot of the Russian wrestlers from a very young age, they, they do a little of both um, before they, you know, they pick which direction they're going to go. Huh. Freestyle or Greco. So let's talk about a couple of matchups that are coming his way. First of all, he's going to face Tony Ferguson, who is a folk-style wrestler um, you know, uh, and has produced a pretty nice winning streak. Takes a lot of risks uh, offensively, though, which I think leaves him vulnerable, at least in some positions. I'm wondering how you see that matchup going um yeah tony's good he's really good um but that being said i guess my general feeling would be as good as tony ferguson is i don't think he's good enough to stop could be from implementing the style that he wants to implement i guess that's what i would say in what way? Like, what makes Habib so dominant, right? I mean, I spoke to Daniel Cormier yeah. this week. He, he's just so good. He's so good at the wrestling and the control. And, I mean, and, and you know, with that, like, if you, if you actually apply that, it's just, it's so hard. You have to be at such a certain level to stop it, right? And if you're not at that level, he just trumps everything you have. Even if you're really good. And, and Tony Ferguson is one of those guys where I say, he's good everywhere. He doesn't really have a huge weakness, right? But he's not really amazing in one place is 
I don't know. That's how I would, maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's, that's kind of how I feel um, when I watch him. Is there anything to the body type of Habib? Right? Is there? Is it? Is that a irrelevant factor, or is so. there something to that? No, I I, I wouldn't say no. He's, I, I think he's just a normal sized guy. He's not abnormally short or abnormally tall. Um, yeah, you know, I wish I, if I trained with him on a, a regular basis, or I would probably have a better idea. So maybe Daniel is a better guy to ask. Daniel, Daniel um, told me he, that once he gets his hands clasped around you, that he is shockingly strong. Uh, doesn't yeah, look like a bodybuilder, but. Uh, well, most of the guys that have that, that um, not that explosive strength, but and that's you know that that strength where they once they get a hold of you, they you're not getting them off you. They don't look big, right? Because the the guys who have the big looking muscles, those muscles fatigue fairly quickly. So you know, I guess uh, I guess seeing what he does to people. One of my coaches said, if you're watching film, this is way back when you if you're watching film of a foreign guy. And you're wondering why he's so good or why he wins so much, and, and his technique doesn't look that good. It's probably because he's really, really fucking strong. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, now, look, I suspect you're not going to have too many positive things to say about the wrestling of Conor McGregor. I would say, in his defense, to some extent, it has improved uh, pretty substantially. Obviously, I think this is where Habib would shine, but in a five round match, it is true that Habib has trouble putting guys away. Like as much control as we give him, uh, and sure. say he's good at that is seems to be a weakness. How do you size those two up? Um. Well, I mean, McGregor's wrestling. I don't know if we say it's that good because okay, in the in the Alvarez fight, we didn't get to see it. He decked Alvarez early. Uh, in the Nate Diaz fight, you know, Nate did push him around a little bit, and Nate is not known for his wrestling by any sense of the imagination. Um, Aldo fight, we didn't see it. And in the Mendez fight, Mendez was on a two-week training camp and still took him down, what, three times or something. So um, I guess it has his wrestling improved. I'm not really sure because we haven't got to see that. Um, And I would say you're right about that, you know, Khabib doesn't really put people away. But the one thing is, and maybe Conor won't, if if he's not able to... um, if he's not able to establish a, a solid guard where he's, um, you know, defending kind of without a lot of effort, Khabib is going to make him work. And we saw Connor's gas tank as very, very suspect in both Diaz fights. What do you make of the wrestling takedowns Diaz, or takedown attempts, I should say, that Diaz put together in those fights? How would you rate them? Poor at best. Okay, so <laughs> explain to someone why they'd be not poor. Good. Like, wh- wh- for someone who may not understand, what about them was was not good? Um, they're they're not efficient. They're not powerful. They're not technically correct. Um, I don't know. There's just nothing that's too good about them. They didn't work. I guess on top of everything else. What about the Alvarez fight? You didn't make much of the takedown attempts because Alvarez was already had been. Yeah, he was, he was on Queer Street. He didn't know where he was at, so so that's why you are that's why you're just not sure about McGregor's takedown defense. Yeah, movement. yeah, and may, you know obviously he's a he's a great fighter and uh, a good athlete. So they, those guys, those type of guys, can improve quickly. But uh, I, I guess I will uh, withhold judgment. Hmm. Interesting. Any other thing about Habib yeah. that stands out to you? Anything else that you would uh, like? If you're just trying to give the full story about someone, not their bio necessarily, but how they compete. Yeah. What else could you say about him? 
No, I, you know, I mean, the other thing, obviously, and his undefeated record shows it, is that he's, he's very consistent. And that's, uh, you know, that's a quality that a lot of people don't give a lot of credence to. Um, but when a guy can show up and perform the same way every single time, that's a hugely valuable asset. You know, we can think of guys who are the exact opposite in either MMA or I can think of a lot of them in wrestling who sometimes they show up and they look like a fucking superstar. And sometimes they show up and they look like they couldn't beat your grandma. Um, they, you know, they have these wildly varied performances, but for, uh, for Khabib and, you know, his undefeated record shows that he shows up and performs every single time.